I was all in on making the Olympic team. All these processes have told me, be where your feet are, be super present, be super focused and give everything you have to it. And, you know, amazing stories come from just little moments that are done the right way over and over again. And then you have these small victories and you just, you're so present that it's like, before you even know it, you know, things, you know, here I am, I'm 33 and I'm like, you know, 10 years in the league and the Olympics, like it's crazy, but like I was, I was there for all of it. You know, the journey is the best part to me. Hello and welcome to the Offfield Rugby Pod. My name is Brian Moylet, former Irish age-grade international, now playing and coaching in Canada. Each week, I chat with a player or coach about their journey and get their insights. On Instagram, I share content around mental performance and clips from the pods. So follow me there, at offfieldrugby, if that's something you're interested in. Also, if you enjoy the pod, please be sure to send it on to some friends who you think will get value from it. And please subscribe to the pod wherever you're listening so that you don't miss an episode. Cheers. Today I'm chatting with Nate Ebner, who played at three Junior World Cups with the USA, two at under 19 and then one when it switched to U20. He went to the Rio Olympics in 2016 to play sevens with Team USA and he has just finished his 10th season playing in the NFL where he won three Super Bowls playing alongside Tom Brady and under Bill Belichick at the New England Patriots. Nate's dad was a rugby player and Nate grew up playing rugby. In the first half of the pod we chat about Nate's journey as a rugby player in Ohio and he talks about how getting to play for the USA at U19 and U20 level on the international stage gave him the confidence to switch to football with the lofty dream of making it to the NFL. In America, 9 in every 10,000 high school football players make it to the NFL. Nate didn't even play football in high school. He played rugby. He talks about why he left rugby for football, how he went about walking onto the Ohio State football team, and walking on essentially means that you go for open trials, and if you make it, you're called a walk-on, whereas 98-99% of the footballers at these big schools, D1 schools like Ohio State, are recruited as the best footballers from high school in the country. Ohio State play in front of over 100,000 people each week, and Nate talks about what it was like trying to learn football while playing in that arena, because... He hadn't played football since he was a kid, and he basically didn't know the game. In the second half of the podcast, Nate talks a lot about the mindset that he has had throughout his career, and essentially throughout his life. And this is unreal. He pretty much breaks down how he approaches challenges, and explains how he believes that anyone can achieve their sporting dreams if they do the same. And I agree. He talks about the Patriots, the culture, the organization, explains how Bill Belichick created the dynasty and how he made him the absolute best player that he could be. There are incredible learnings in this one. I listened to Nate's book on Audible recently. It's called Finish Strong, A Father's Code and a Son's Path. 
Nate talks in the book about how his dad was murdered when he was 19 and the last thing that he said to his dad was that he was going to leave rugby and walk onto the Ohio State football team with the view to making it to the NFL. So a quick mention from our sponsor and then it's episode number 35 with Nate Ebner. A lot of people stress about money. Where should you be investing? Are you prepared if there's a crash? And loads more. And if you're not an expert, finances can be really daunting. I know the people at Sparks Wealth and they're brilliant. What they do is they educate you on your finances without any jargon. They create a personalized plan for you and manage your money so that it's working for you and so that you don't need to be worrying about it. You can book a free, no obligation Zoom call now on their website, sparkswealth.ie. How's the body these days? The body is pretty awful. So uh, the last year has been been a rough year physically. I think, uh, you know, I think we all have our our time where, you know, it's it starts to get tough. And this last year has probably been that for me. After the season last year, I played every game last year in the NFL with the, the Giants, but I just had this like really bad tendonitis. And I went to go try to join the um, Olympic team. And that tendonitis just wasn't kicking and I got an MRI and like my quad tendon was torn. So I had to have surgery and um, just, you know, dropping out of the Olympics and, and having that surgery and, and then going to the football season, you know, trying to rehab that. Then my other knee um, had some pretty serious issues and uh, I made about halfway through the season, but uh, to this point, I've pretty much worn the cartilage out of, out of my knees and, you know, I'm, I'm having, uh, I actually just had a surgery. It's a fairly new procedure in the United States anyways, um, to kind of regrow cartilage. And, uh, I did that. I am seven weeks in my seventh week out of surgery, still on crutches. So it's a monster. I had to reattach the quad tendon on my right leg too. And, uh, just, yeah, it's a lot. So, um, long story shorter, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been rough, but at the end of the day, it could always be worse. Um, I'm hoping, like every other surgery I've had, I just kind of come back from it. And, you know, it's, it's part of – it's what you sign up for. And uh, like I said, it could be worse. It could be my head. It could be uh, a nerve issue. You know, I got, I got some cartilage damage, but at the end of the day, you know, we'll get it fixed and carry on. Yeah, for sure. Good stuff. And you mentioned that, like playing through injury. It's something like a lot of rugby players know as well. But would that be kind of pretty standard as well in the NFL throughout your career? It's bangs and bruises, but you just keep going. Oh, absolutely. I don't think uh, – I mean, there were more games in the 10 years I played in the NFL that I had something going on than – the days I just walked out there and I was like, nothing's bothering me. I feel great. Like that's just, that's just not a real thing. I mean, maybe when you're 16, you know, I mean, even in college, you get some stuff here and there, but um, I mean, it, it happens and you try to, you try to mitigate that as much as possible and take care of your body and do what you can outside of, um, you know, the competition, the actual, you know, game and the weightlifting that is required. But, um, you know, you play a violent game, 
you get hit hard, uh, you, you know, your body can, you know, only take so much. For me, it wasn't even hitting people. It was just the speed of which we would run and I would just slam on the brakes as hard as I can um, to try to decelerate, to make a play, you know, throw a guy by me. It's, and, and it's just repetition and repetition and repetition of, of that after years and years and, and all these games um, and practices and, and, you know, throw rugby on top of it. Yeah. My knees are just like no more bird pads in there. So um, yeah, I mean, but like I said earlier, it's what you sign up for. It's fun. And, you know, if you can't handle that stuff, you probably aren't, it's not for you. You know what I mean? So, yeah, for sure. And do you do much um, like hit, hitting and contact in training, like during the week? Uh, like NFL teams? It depends, yeah. on, the, it depends on the coach. Um, I think as a whole, well, it's tough, it's tough to relate to rugby because you know, there are like when we have rugby sessions, like you've contact sessions on, like weekly and sometimes multiple times a week. And but they're just so controlled, like rugby is just so controlled with how you're in contact. And it's I think that's the most beautiful part of the game. Um, but with football, I'd say, you know, when I was in New England and we were winning, we were a tough football team. We were in full pads once a week and we'd be there'd be a part of that practice that was pretty lit. I mean, we were smashing and, um, you know, but it, it's, it's, it's probably 30 minutes at most of a, of a, of a Wednesday practice in full pads. And outside of that, you know, like I, like I mentioned, you know, you get to week eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 in the season. It's like, I'm just trying to get to the game. And if you can't, there's a side of me that truly believes if you can't play in the game without smashing somebody in practice from a technique standpoint, like you need that, like you're a professional at this point. We, we can't just continually hit each other Sunday. You get Monday off, like Monday recovery and then Tuesday and then Wednesday smash each other, smash each other Thursday. Like you got to get to a point where you can play the game without playing the game essentially. Um, so, but then I've played in, I've played on other teams, like recently the last couple of years in, in New York. Um, and it was a lot less full pads, you know? So, uh, it, but it's, it's very fluid. I mean, if the team has a ton of injuries and the offense and defensive line, those guys are the ones smashing the most. So it's like, you know, you, sometimes you just can't do it for the health of the team. So it's, it's, like I said, it's a fluid situation depends on injuries, depends on the coaches, but ultimately I'd, I'd generalize and say about once a week guys hit for a portion of practice. And then outside of that, you know, it's pretty controlled. I, I'm a skilled player too. So I'm, I'm running around catching the ball and covering people and, you know, special teams, you know, working hand placement, but you know, even the offense and defensive line, they're not banging heads every, you know, every play or anything like that. So. Yeah, no, it's interesting because I'm. I think about it a lot with rugby how it's like we're lower in the amount of contact we do during the week. Like when I think back when I was a kid, you were every choose every session you were going full on for 40, 50, 60. You're just a lot, you know. I think mm -hmm. they've realized people just get too banged up and they're not ready for the weekend. But then it's interesting you say it there, and I fully agree that like 
at some point in the week you got to hit you got to hit to get that kind of um it's a to get your eye in kind of you know well it's like when you're young it's easy to hit i remember in high school i was we'd tackle in every practice but I mean, it gets to a point where, you know, we're all grown ass men and and the, the collisions are not, you know, they're violent yeah. and you're trying to win the contact every time. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not, it gets to the point where like, like your professionalism and your skill set at tackling is already at such a high level, the detriment to what you could do to yourself physically is not worth the maybe incremental growth you might have in, in your ability to tackle right and and you know as well as I do playing like like for instance tackling is like it's a will thing too right so I don't know yeah I think uh it's 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 a fine line when you're a professional because people are bigger faster stronger and it's more violent but, but speaking of that I get I get I hate the freaking the red cards on on the high tackles that are not malice intent. You know, it's one thing if you're, I don't know, that's just my opinion, but what I've been seeing lately is like, if I'm like genuinely trying to take your head off in a illegal way, like red card for sure. But the, like the way some of these in the six nations, like it's like the guy was just, you know, the levels weren't right. And, you know, give him a card or even, you know, give him a penalty, maybe a yellow, but like, it's not like he threw a, a forearm to his to his face I, I feel like red cards change the game too much to be giving it away for someone uh, for a player that's not genuinely trying like he's trying to do the right thing you know what I mean like he, he like the Italy game like the guy just I mean the, the level was so so close and you guys you slow it down into super slow-mo and you're like well that's contact to the head it's like well and and like the runner has no responsibility for dropping their level either like i don't know i just don't think it's worth the red card it changes the game too much and we got super soft with that yeah i think it's i think it's teething problems right now for sure like you guys who've been for 20 years 15 20 years playing a game a certain way and they're like trying to bring down the tackle height and within like now like you got to lower it now and then guys obviously like you know yourself it's muscle memory you don't you play the game it's it's not only that for me it's also like if i'm trying to win the contact i can't go low i can't go super low on you because you're gonna fall forward on my shoulder some way like i have to i have to get you up in the air and stop your momentum right and at least that buys me time to get my team to, with me to support me if I if I at least don't win the contact but you know if I can get you up you know now we got a chance at the ball maybe I'm driving you back you know and I'm buying time all those things it's in a, a very effective tackle in in the way the philosophy of the game but you know I, I hear what you're saying too but you start to change the game if everything's got to be a chop tackle right like um I mean it's it's a, it's an attribute for a guy that's a you know, tight head that can just stand there and take anybody right down the middle and not move. But you make him go so low that he just, he, you know what I mean? That, that I don't know. That's just my yeah. thoughts. I think yeah. it's a violent game. There's going to be moments where things happen that you don't want to happen, but you can't just, the red cards just like that Italy game was just, Italy, Ireland, I think it was. The game was just ruined after that. This is that was tough. Opinion. 
Well, yeah, those tough. Even the Irish, even the Irish back rower Peter Madney, when they went down to thirteen, he was like looking to the ref. He was like, "What?" Like he was kind of like, it? "Surely." He's like, "No." Like he was even a bit like, "This is going to ruin it." Going down to thirteen, yeah. Yeah, and then and then the rules and everything we could talk about that, that was, too. Yeah. But that's crazy. But and you could see it just took like Ireland was like, "All right, we got this," and they were just kind of out of it. The game was just so deflated after that. But like, you just hate to see a guy come into a tackle with honest intent he's trying to stand the guy up as and stand his ground as best as he can like it, it was not a, like there was like I said there was no malice intent in that and then he's getting red carded because of a, like we're talking about an inch level change like that's just not respecting the speed of the game and whoever's making these rules is crazy to me I'd love to hear I'd love to have those conversations as yeah. a player I just know it just doesn't work like that yeah this is the slow mos are different as well, um, but do you, so you watch a lot of Six Nations. You're still um, still watching rugby all the time. Oh hell yeah, I watch I watch every day. Um, but I, the Six Nations is one of my favorite tournaments to watch. Though it's just uh, it's just it just international rugby really. I mean, it's just uh, at its purest form. It's it's at its cleanest. It's the way it's meant to be played. Um, you know, I, I relate it to, you know, being in the NFL as long as I have. I just don't – I can't – it's hard for me to watch college football. Like, even the best teams, it's just – it's so – as a professional, I mean, I could see how, like, college kids and, like, families that don't know anything about football get into it because they're, like, the school pride and things like that. But, like, if you know anything about football, it's just, like, the football level of, like uh, – the plays and stuff, the chess game, if you will, is just so watered down in college, which it has to be. I mean, these kids are young. They don't, they're not professionals, so they don't have the time. So it's not anyone's fault, but like they're young and, and less experienced and, and uh, the game is a little watered down from my perspective. So it's hard for me to watch. So I love to watch professional football. I love to watch, you know, when it comes to football, I love to watch the game being played at the highest level with the most chess match moves, guys can think of with the best athletes that you know are out there to do what they're doing and and I think it's the game at its purest form and 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 international rugby um is the same for me like you know it's you know how just simple things like dropped passes can just affect the flu the flow of a game you know when you watch international rugby and, and those types of things are out of it it's just can be like that England Ireland game incredible was a great game to watch. I mean, fantastic game to watch. It came down to like the last literally like eight minutes or something like that. It was, that, that was, a, that was my favorite game so far of the tournament. Yeah, me too. I'm Irish, as you might tell from the accent. So I was yeah. happy for that one to be him. Yeah, sure. I, I, I wanted Ireland to win as well, but I've got the English boys too. So I was, it was splitting hairs for me. It really, really was. But uh, I, I guess, I guess I thought they would win. Um, But man, what a, if England had 15, yeah, I could have been for that. Yeah. See, and another one, I that one is worse to me because the guy didn't make an attempt to. I mean, I think as a tackler, it's your duty to get your head on the right side. Yeah. I mean, it, but, but it's just, I don't, I, I struggle with the fact that, you know, for me, a red card should be like with the intent to like hurt. Foul play, right? Like, 
yeah, you tackled the guy on the wrong side of the head. You caught him on the chin, and you, you should get a yellow for that. But, like, I just – red cards change the game so much. Again, like, what, what that game would have looked like with England having 15 the whole time. Yeah, who knows? And the funny one then as well is when you go down to 14, you get so, like, pumped and amped, and you're yeah, like, we're in a – you know, like, I, I've been on those teams where it's like, all right, and you kind of – everyone bands together and everyone, like, plays for the – to make yeah. up that extra number, and then you get oh, this, like – incre- the stadium was rocking. The stadium yeah. was absolutely rocking. That, that had to be a fun game to be at. That had to be a fun game. Like, kudos to England for how tough they played for for – 70 whatever minutes like that was but Ireland was too much uh, that but yeah so I, I watch all the games um I love watching rugby I grew up playing rugby my whole life man it's just uh it's a player's game you know it's it's at the end of the day the coaches sit up in the box I love that you know I'm, I mean I'm used to you know we got 20 coaches on the sideline and you know, their, their microphone in your helmet telling you what plays the call. And, you know, before the play, they're saying, you know, watch out for the, it's just like the, the coaches have such an influence on, on the game. Um, whereas I just love rugby because it's like, we'll talk about it. We'll practice during the week, but when you guys step on the field, it's you 15 and, figure it out like I, I don't know I just I, I like that it, it, sports are for the athletes the play the people playing and that's just something about football I've just always struggled with but I mean I grew up playing rugby and and, and basketball which are two sports that are like for the players you know like you can code you coach it obviously like you get better and stuff but at the end of the day it's uh those get those games are fun too you know yeah 100 percent and um yeah when I in 2016, when I heard you were going for the Olympics, I was like, oh, this this football guy who played a little bit of rugby when he was in high school, I bet, is trying to transfer back. And then I listened to your book and I was like, you didn't play any football. Like, you're, yeah, like, you're not a football player. Not a football player. It's funny, man. It's like when I got to when I got to Ohio State and the NFL, they're like, you're the rugby guy, right? Like everyone in football calls me the rugby guy. And then when I came back, everyone in rugby was like, oh, you're the NFL, you're the, you're the football player. And it's just like, I'm always one or the other, but no, I mean, look, I played in the NFL for 10 years. I, you know, going back on my, my story, you just mentioned, like, I always wanted to, once I made the decision to walk on at Ohio state, I always wanted to like try to make it to the NFL, but to, you know, to, to look back on that now and be like, bro, you're going to play. If I could tell myself you'll play a decade in the NFL, like I never would have thought that. Um, I mean, the average career now is less than three years. So it's like, I think when I went for that, it was always like, I'm going to find my way back to rugby, you know, like I'll probably play a year or two, I'll get cut and, um, you know, I'll, I'll play pro rugby somewhere and back to back to my roots. But then, you know, it turns out I was kind of good at it and there's a lot of money involved. And I mean, it's, it's, it's just, that's the type of stuff that changes your life. And and I have worked extremely hard to do. So it's like, as much as I, I love rugby, um, you know, for me, the right decisions was to stay there and, and, and make as much money as I, as I could. And, 
Um, you know, and, and for me, that makes me want to help grow the game of rugby to the point where a kid in my shoes doesn't have to make that decision that played rugby can, I, I would love to see it at a point from a salary standpoint or financial standpoint that they can be in a place where it's like, I'm going to be not only just fine if I play rugby professionally, but I'm going to be, I'm, it's going to set me up. You know, it's going to, it's going to give me a head start in the world if I play pro rugby from, you know, 19 to 24 or whatever. Um, I want the game to be there because if, if it was for me, I never would have played football. I needed any reason in the United States to stay playing rugby. And there just wasn't one. It wasn't a pro league. I, I didn't want to play overseas. Our, our national team wasn't very good. Like I just didn't have any reason to not try to play football and man, the football thing worked out. So that's what happened. But uh, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm definitely a rugby guy. Grew up with the rugby ball, played rugby my entire life. I mean, I played football when I was super young, but you know how that goes. They just hand me the ball and I just ran around everybody. It's not mm. like we're playing football. Um, you know, it's the same thing with, uh, with rugby, rugby. you know, but um, yeah, man, I mean, 15, 16 developmental camps with the United States team. And from then on, I was playing rugby until I was, you know, 19 or well, 20, 21, I played in the sevens, uh, college sevens tournament in the United States and uh, played rugby most of my life. Football's just been uh, my, my day job. Yeah, nice. And um, yeah, like you played rugby high school. And then I say you went to a couple of World Cups with the USA 19s, 20s. Yeah. And then you went to Ohio State to play rugby. And then what, you were just like 19, 20, like you say, and you're like, I can't have a career. I can't make money doing this. So you'd followed your dream all the way along. And then mm -hmm. you kind of, I suppose, got a bit rational, like I'm getting a bit older and I need to yeah. earn money. Yeah, I mean, that got in there. I think uh, for me, it was, uh, the, it was a culmination. It was a perfect storm of, of things that happened in my life that got me to make that decision. Um, you know, from the rugby side of it, it was like, you know, I just played in three junior World Cups, two under-19s, like you mentioned, one under-20s. And, you know, we're playing South Africa, some of the best players in the world that are, you know, South Africa's under-20 team had like 22 of its 26, like, under contract, you know. Mm. And that was cool. I mean, that that's the type of stuff I needed to be fed, you know, to, to scratch my itch was playing rugby at that level and competing. Cause I knew I was definitely capable of like playing at the level I needed to play at it though. I needed more of that. And then, you know, I got back to Ohio state and it was like just club rugby and they were more worried about the party after the game. And, you know, it's just me versus everybody. And, it's just I'm not getting any better, and it, and I just would get so frustrated. And if I passed you the ball and you knocked it on, like I just won't pass to you anymore. Like it, you know, it's just yeah. it's not. I'm not playing the game. It's it's just it was stupid. I'm chipping, chasing in fifteens just every time I get the ball, trying to just do everything myself because I just don't even trust anybody. Like it just uh, I, I wasn't the way I wanted to play, and um, I put too much into it. But it's okay. That's what club rugby is for in a sense, but it, you know, there was nothing else for me. So 
yeah, I start, you know, start looking around. Oh, here I am at Ohio State, the biggest football school in the in the world, in the country, you know, and it's like, you know, I wanted to play football in high school. I didn't because of all the rugby. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. Like, let's just let's just see what happens. Walk on and, and see what happens. Because I wanted the, you know, I got a taste of that competitiveness of international rugby uh, in the U20s and stuff. And that was exciting, you know, to play the game at that level. And I just, I think I wanted more of that and, so and even though it came in a different form and being in in football, American football, I, I didn't care. And obviously, I you know, I lost my dad and there was a lot of motivation in that to to, you know, I told him I was going to do the football thing to, to go forward and really make that that, you know, conversation become a reality. And, you know, the rest is history. I just kind of dug in. Yeah. Sorry to hear about your dad. And um... thank you. Did you fully believe in yourself the whole time? It's like you're playing rugby. Rugby is a small sport in the States, like a kind of niche sport. And then you get a taste of it on the, the international level. But it's still, compared to college football, Ohio State playing 100,000, in front of 100,000 people. And it's like so huge. And you're going from rugby, this small sport, right. relatively, to say, I'm going to go and walk onto this team that's... Um. That's a good question. I mean, I would say I always had like real, a lot of confidence in myself. Like I was, a, I, I was just quietly confident. Like I didn't need to talk about it. I was always kind of like, I think I'm the fastest, the strongest, like let's just line up on the line and see what happens. Like I was always about it. And, um, you know, I think playing international rugby against like I said I just used the example of South Africa's team was you know 22 of 26 were under contract I'm like these dudes are professional athletes too like these are the best athletes in the world that play the sport that I'm playing and I'm playing it with them you know what I mean like mm -hmm. I knew I would I was athletically fine um because these guys are all under contract so yeah athletically I'm gonna go to Ohio State and play the best athletes that are my age playing football I didn't know anything about football but I knew athletically I would be fine that gave me a lot of confidence playing in, in the World Cups um and then once I started to really like do it I just just grew in confidence because every day was like you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a workhorse, if you will. So it was just like, I could just out grind everybody. And then I start to see like, I am stronger than all of them, or I have more willpower and, you know, I'm willing to fight harder or whatever it need, whatever I needed, I was able to tap into and it gave me confidence. And, you know, you mentioned the hundred thousand people in the stands. Uh, it's, it's a massive thing. I mean, sport in the United States, they've really mastered, it from an entertainment perspective and and you know it's 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 absolutely nuts i will say that but you know you get to a point where you know i walked on in january or something like that i just lost my dad like walked onto the football team grinded through these workouts these walk-on workouts which were absolutely insane they try to get everybody to quit you know and then we had spring ball and you learn a little football. I'm just, and, and it's just like, I know nothing about football. I thought I did, but like the details are like what make athletes good at what they do. What make anyone good at anything that they do is the details. And uh, 
So I'm, I'm just like, it's just this wave of things I'm trying to take in mentally about the game so I can catch up. You know, I only have three years of eligibility. You know, I walked on technically my junior year. Um, well, sophomore, but the season was over. So my first season would have been my junior year in college. And um, yeah, just taking all this in. And then you've got summer training camps and, and just conditioning and, you know, you, you get to a point where they break the film down so much in practice and you get crucified so much for every little step you take and things trying to, it's all trying to make you better. Right. But you do it so much and you get used to it so much that you start to like play the game knowing, fuck, I hope that's not on. Oops, sorry. You're like, uh, you're like, I'm, I'm hope that's not on film. Right. Or I hope it doesn't look, like you're so worried about the film because we just watch so much film that you're just like the coach is going to get on me about the film or I hope he doesn't put that in front of the whole team if I do something bad like you're so worried about do or doing something good on film like you don't even notice there's a hundred thousand people like it's not even it doesn't matter like I you get so crucified if you mess up like in a team session on film with no fans around you know, in a practice session where the whole team's in the auditorium and you do something, you know, bad or something good. And they're like, you know, great job. or This is terrible. We don't ever want to see this. But those film sessions can get so intense that whether, you know, obviously you try to turn up and take the energy. But for me, I, I just I didn't even see the fans, man. I was just like so focused on what I was doing because I wanted those film sessions and everything to be good. So um you know ultimately to answer you though like I, I did have confidence in myself and uh the rugby really gave it to me playing in those world cups and and uh at the end of the day I was just willing to you know after losing my dad I was just willing to be like you know f it if if I don't make it so I don't make it I'll play rugby you know like I, I after losing my dad the way that I lost him nothing could be worse than that and so to walk on and try to have this great experience where I make the football team at Ohio State and get put on scholarship and maybe go to the NFL and all this crazy dream, if it didn't happen, it wasn't going to be worse than me losing my dad the way I did. So it's just like, who cares? You know, if they say you suck and you're too slow or whatever, get out of here. That's what they say. But if the dream comes true, the dream comes true. And that'd be awesome what you did. So it was worth it. Yeah, that's cool. So you're like, I have nothing to lose. May as well try and do right. this absolute crazy, crazy dream. Or yeah, it was it was ambitious, but it was a uh, it was one step at a time. You know, at first it was like walk onto the football team. Like I always was like, it'd be cool to make it to the NFL, but like you can't think about playing in the NFL when you got three years of football to to grow and you know nothing about football. You know, I mean, I think it that whole journey was such a lesson in being where your feet are for me to be present and being present allowed me to succeed. But I was never ahead of myself in any of it. I wasn't thinking about playing my 10th year when I was in my rookie year with the Patriots. I was just worried about doing really well. And and same thing with making the Olympic team. I was thinking about the Olympics quite a bit in the back of my mind, but you know what I mean? Like when, mm. when I was playing football, I was playing football. And then once I like left to play in the Olympics in 2016, I 
I was okay if I never played football again. Because like I had told you earlier, like I wasn't expecting to play as long as I did. I already played four years before I went to the Olympics. And, you know, so I was like, I was all in on making the Olympic team. I just, and, and I think all these processes have told me, be where your feet are, be super present, be super focused and give everything you have to it. And, you know, amazing stories come from just little moments that are done the right way over and over again. And then you have these small victories and you just, you're so present that it's like, before you even know it, you know, things, you know, here I am, I'm 33 and I'm like, you know, 10 years in the league and the Olympics, like it's crazy, but like I was, I was there for all of it. You know, the journey is the best part to me. So. Yeah. hundred percent. That's so, um, so good what you're saying there. Cause like having that ultimate goal, that vision, like say with the Olympics, with the NFL, with whatever, but then just being ultra focused on what you're doing day to day and just being there. Cause I certainly in the past would have like had this goal, but then you're kind of like anxious that you're not there yet. You're like, Oh, I'm, and like, am I doing enough today? Oh, I'm not there yet. Oh, and you're just kind of anxious cause you're not at that like goal. But yeah. like you say, when you're just focused on the present day to day, you enjoy the journey and it's talking it's about awesome. trusting what I call tr trusting the process of, you know, just, you know, for, for me, it, it was easy to trust the process because I had seen it. I think it's a lot harder in, in different realms of life. Like, am I doing the right things? Is, you know, is this the right way to go about this? You know, all these questions come out because you're thinking about the end goal, but you're not there yet. You know, I think it's harder to trust the process. For me, it was easier. I'm at Ohio State, the biggest school in football. And I told myself, if I can run faster and be stronger than these guys and, and and make get on the field and make plays I'll play in the NFL because this is the biggest school for football so the process for me was get on the field first right you know well win in the weight room win on the field and then get reps on the field and then get to the point where I'm playing more and more and more and making plays but the process was very clear because I had seen it work. If I have success at Ohio State, I will get a chance in the NFL. I had no doubt about that. So it was easy for me to keep my head down and just stay present and grind because I knew if I got there at the end, I would have the chance to go to the NFL. Um, I think I, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and say, trust the process when I'm going into a process like a machine like Ohio State. You know, had I been at a D3 school and out in the farm fields in Ohio and, you know, that's a different story. Um, you know, you, you wonder, am I doing the right things? I, that, that, that the process is, is in, in trusting it is a huge aspect of that for sure. Yeah, I, I think it is even wherever you are. Like, it's just something I've really learned has kind of hit me square in the face in the last couple of years. Like, it is all about trusting the process because then you just get into your day-to-day. -day. Like, you focus on winning today in the weight room. You focus on winning this training session. You focus on... It's just... And you just become brilliant at those things. And then, like you say, it all adds up. Like, you're sitting there now doing all you've done, but every day you're just focusing on winning that day. Yeah, win the day. Seize yeah. the day, carpe diem. That's yeah. as simple as that. But now, I mean, uh, you know, the, we can get in our own way in our heads when we overthink if this is the right thing. And, you know, am I working hard enough? You know, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. You know, I don't I don't know. I don't like doing that. So I'm going to put it off. I mean, it's just all in your head. 
you know, if we can clear minds, you can you can go about life so much so much smoother and, and achieve so much more. And it's all self-inflicted, you know, mentally. That is so true. Yeah, we uh, when we get out of our heads, think life's good, life's fine. It you is know? fine. It's just fine. It's all a head game. It's crazy. So yeah, uh, one quote I love from the book um, is kind of like on this, but you can have anything if you're willing to sacrifice everything. Mm-hmm. I believe it verbatim, you know, word for word. I mean, I just, I, and, and it, my experiences um, of being this, you know, rugby player that never played football in high school or nothing and plays in the biggest school in the country and makes it in the league and all that, all the other stuff, like those are, those odds of that are just so you know, fractionally low, it's just, they're almost non-existent. I mean, it just makes me, again, my experiences make me believe that if you sacrifice and you're willing to sacrifice anything for the one thing you want, you will undoubtedly have it. Because that's what I did when I decided to walk onto the football team. That's what I did when I got to the NFL and I wanted success. That's what I did when I went to the Olympics to, to try to make the Olympic team. I would just, everything in my life doesn't matter. The only thing that mattered was, you know, like you said, winning the day at my, my workouts at Ohio state, you know, winning, winning the day at training camp, you know, or, whatever 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 and 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 to some detriment of my relationship some detriment um to family and 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 i just you know i didn't have fun i wasn't a big drinker in in college you know i wasn't a social person but um because i know those things would influence me negatively like are i not necessarily they would but they might right they might make me not sleep good they might affect the way I would train the next day and I was not willing to have that be affected because I wanted it so bad I was going to maximize myself as much as I could and not risk the dream because I wanted it so bad so everything got sacrificed and in that process I had success and everything in my life has told me that so you know with that being said, you, you have to really be willing to sacrifice everything, like everything went in that quote. I not sacrifice a lot. You gotta be able I mean, it's gotta be not, nothing is more important than this. And, you know, I, I had the success that I have, but I think uh, there comes, you know, it's tough to do. So you have family, you have, you know, maybe you have kids, you know, maybe, um, you know, there's something you really like to do. I don't know. But it, it again, I, I really am a believer that anyone can do anything if they really just nothing else matters as much as that. And they put everything they have into it. I, I just my experiences don't tell me any differently. Yeah, I love it. And I fully, fully agree. Like I couldn't agree more. And um, I think what people you don't have experience of this, but uh, people, they they kind of like themselves, but they do have plan B's in their head. They do have oh, if this doesn't work out, I'll do this. Or they're kind of like 
half focused or mm-hmm. like yeah it's it's like you say like you relationships aren't as strong because you can't spend hours and hours a day with your family or with this or with that like it's it's a singular focus it's it's all in it's like what they say all in yeah it is absolutely i mean and that's kind of how i've done everything and it's that's allowed me to to do what i've done but like i said it's been to the detriment of a lot of other things but would i change it hell no (laughs) you know um you know that's uh that's part of who i am so yeah for sure and um you mentioned their willpower earlier and i think like that's one of a key thing for an athlete or for i suppose for anyone to to keep going through adversity and yours is definitely built uh probably in the gym with your dad in the garage when you were younger mm-hmm. yeah i mean you you wonder about stuff like that nature versus versus nurture right like what what and i'll never be able to answer you know, to what extent had no influence, it hadn't, you know, no one influenced me at all, would I have still been the same way, right? And I'm not a believer in that. Um, yeah, no. Uh, but there, there was some willingness in me that when my dad would challenge me, I would just, I would rise to it every time. And, and maybe it was with the grace in which he did that, you know, without being like imposing, but he he knew how to make me go and um, I'd always go as hard as I could. And um, I think after he would just show me at a young age that it pays off to work extremely hard and he would show me the growth, you know, I, I, I reference, you know, in the book we would in, in our weight room, we would, write our workouts down you know or he'd do these mini olympics with me where i'd one year i'd you know i'd jump so far or so high and then the next year i'd jump further and higher and he'd he'd say you know you've been working out all these all like look how much further you you can jump and how much stronger you are and faster blah 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 and i think over time i had a really just believed that the work i put in resulted in success and growth and um i think that ultimately you know made me uh made made my willpower stronger because i knew that i had i had a a hand in it i i knew that i would affect it you know so that that definitely gave me confidence in that yeah and uh, yeah i think it is definitely like a bit of both i know when i was a kid as well like give me more give me more like you want to prove you're wrong you want to win you want to compete and yeah. But then, yeah, it's probably a bit of both. Um, so you've been in the NFL, I'd say, 10 years. And when you started out, you thought a year would be good and then three years would be good. And no one, very few people do 10 years. But um, like, say, you want to get signed up next year. But have you ever any thoughts of rugby, like going back playing rugby when, when that's over? Yeah, I mean, I, I, at this point, I'm probably... I mean, I, I like have no cartilage in my knees, so I need yeah. to get, get to the point where um, physically I'm good. I, I probably am done with football um, because, like we've kind of talked about, 10 years is a long time. Never thought I'd be here, and I'm at the point physically where uh, it's 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 kind of out of my control. Um you know, and, and I, I just need, I don't have any more 
padding on my brakes, right? Like it's, uh, I just, I, I need to get it fixed. So if I get that fixed, uh, kind of both knees and, and I'm feeling good. Cause I've, if it weren't for my knees, I would feel pretty, pretty juicy. But, um, you know, if I get that fixed in the next couple of years and it's like a really successful thing and I, and I feel good, I, I'm not going to take rugby off the table ever. I mean, but shit, my dad played in a rugby game when he was 53, like the weekend before he died, like that's just kind of in the blood. Now to what level I play it at, you know, I reference that in the book. I'll, I'll go out and play touch if I can. And if, if, if I'm capable of hitting, maybe I'll play some club stuff. And if I'm running fast still and I'm strong, you know, and they need me on an MLR team, maybe I do that. Um, but right now, man, I'll never say no to rugby, but I physically need to just get to the point where I can go golfing and line up my putts. That's, that's my priority at the moment. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, like I said earlier, when we first started talking, I mean, I signed up for that, you know, but I need to get to a point where I can, I'm good, you know, so we'll see. Uh, I can't yeah. answer it, but I'll never say no. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I see, is that a Super Bowl, like, member, or replica in the background? uh yeah that's a lombardi trophy up there in the window nice one and then when you like so when you're having crazy success with the patriots or how long do you dwell on that like you you win a super bowl are you because you can't the thing is well you can't win year after year can you if you're thinking about how great you were last year yeah um no i mean and and bill belichick does such a great job with that um you know, he – the cycles in which he worked were I, – I just thought it was so good. Like, as soon as the season was over, if – had we won a Super Bowl, you know, you win, you have the post-game party, you got a parade, you got a ring ceremony. I mean, these are all fantastic moments that are celebratory and fun, and they make the game worth it because we grind so hard and it's, it's, it is a lot of hard work and, you know, 99% of people don't have that kind of success in the league. And, you know, it's like to win, to win it all, you know, only one team wins it. Right. And it's, uh, you know, to be on that team and, and for, for years doing it, I'm extremely blessed, but those, those moments are so awesome. But once, you know, that off season comes for the next season, like Bill would literally like Bill has like this book in my mind, right? He has this book that's basically like, all right, day one off season program. You know, this is what I talk about and we're worried about getting, getting a good base fit wise and strength. And then when we start OTAs, which are like official team activities, that's what they stand for. But they're basically spring practices where we don't have pads on. That's what, that's what they are. They should be called spring practices. And he'll start with the basic install, which is like, you know, simple cover to like, this is, we, this is, we want to be force everybody inside out make them run sideways. We don't want to give up inside. Like, and we just go through the basics every time. And then we move on and we progress. And, and he has this system that every year, it would go just like that. And then, you know, as a, as a young player, it's like overload information, you know, but then it's like you come in next year. It's like, wait, I already learned this. 
well, I learned something new about this now, but okay. Okay. So it's, it's the same stuff. And then you get to year three or four and you're like, okay, I know all this. And you're just looking for little things to, to take in this time, you know, and I just love that process about it's a new year, like turn the page. And he'll always say stuff like, you know, we, it's a new team. We don't have, we, every team every year is, is a different team. We don't have the same players. There's never been a season ever where we have all the same players that we had the previous year or the year after that. It's, it has never happened. People get cut. People get, people retire. People get signed from other teams. You know, it's just, um, it's just, that's the way the, the league works. And he does such a great job of saying, okay, this is our team this year. And, and, and the urgency that's put in place to build that team and go forward. I mean, everyone buys into the, the urgency. So you, you forget about it. So as a, as a whole, you know, I wish – actually, I don't. I mean, I am who I am. I'm not a big celebratory person. We talked about the process earlier. Like, I enjoy the journey. And, um, you know, the Super Bowl after party and stuff, that's fun. And, and, and all those things are fun. But, like, you know, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, wear my Super Bowl ring around my, my hometown for three months after, after the fact. Uh, I was – on to the next, I was bought into Bill's process and I was trying to get better. And let's, you know, try to build a team to win games next season. I, it's just like, and, and that stems from him. You know, he doesn't allow you to sit, you know, in, in, in the spotlight and just glare back at the lights. He brings you back in and makes you, you know, makes you feel like you suck and you need to go get back to work. You know, he's very good at making everybody feel like they're the worst players in the world. And, uh, you know, if you were sensitive, it wasn't a good place for you because, you know, if you know what he's doing, he's trying to make everybody better and he's just criticizing and, and it's tough to argue with because yeah, usually had good points when he'd say, or, you know, you're not doing this right or whatever, but you know, if you were sensitive, uh, you just wouldn't last. You don't last at, at professional sport, though, if you're sensitive. you, you got to be open to criticism because you got to just get the most out of yourself. And, and telling yourself you're great at everything isn't how you get there. So, yeah, he'd make us turn the page and go, man. Awesome. I know you got to get to physio and stuff uh, shortly, but just one more thing. Um, with I'm really, really interested. Well, I walked on, I was in a D2 football or rug, playing rugby in a D2 school and coaching. And then I walked on, and got, but I did my shoulder. So I have a bit of experience of what it's like, the difference between football coaching and setup and rugby coaching and setup. And in football, like you say, it's, there's a lot of like, you did that wrong, like breaking down tape and kind of getting on the players so that the players then want to get better. And I feel rugby is a bit more, a bit less of that, a bit less of being on the players all the time. Um, yeah. I don't know, maybe I'm off with that. But do you think that, like, say, going forward, the likes of Bill, like he's won so many and coaches like that, that you you can just be on the players, like on them all the time. Like you say that you're on edge a bit or a lot as a player, like you're on edge about, say, your contract or different things and that forced you to just be the best that you can be like is that a, the best i think it I, I, hear, I hear what you're asking and i think that is definitely unfortunately dependent upon the individual but 
when mm. you get certain individuals in the building with a certain type of character that are fighters and mm. you're telling them that they're not good enough, you know, the way they respond is to dig in and fight. Yeah. And then they do better. And then Bill says, that's what it looks like. There you go. Yeah. And you know, those criticisms are coming because he wants you to do it the right way. It's not because he doesn't like you. He's not because he's like, ah, I don't like, I don't, I just don't like you. So I'm just going to, you know, and there are coaches out there, unfortunately like that. And it's too bad, but mm-hmm. um, as an athlete, you, you, you got to take that outlier out and just assume this criticism is to make me better. And um, if you can walk into that professional setting with the mindset of everything that's going to be said to me can be negative. And honestly, there's a quote from Woody Hayes, which is an old time coach at Ohio state who said, if anybody gives you a compliment, you should kick them in the shin unless it's your grandmother. And it's like, if you're at a professional setting and everyone's telling you how good you are, like, what are you getting better at then? And it's like, if you're the type of person that needs to constantly be told what they're doing good at, it's like, I just don't feel like you'd have the confidence to really play at the level you need to play at if, if you need positive reinforcement to that extent. Because if you're good, you know you're good, mm. I, I guess. I, I don't know. I, again, like I said, I think it depends on the individual. But, you know, I, I my experience with rugby is and, – and now with everybody being so young – everyone's allowed to talk and and everyone wants to talk about their feelings and you know everyone it's okay to get defensive and yell back at a coach who's just trying to help you I just that's crazy to me I, I feel like when we're in the environment and we're in the setting we all come together and the team is above everyone and the coaches are the gatekeepers essentially in my mind and they're there to like help the team get better and everything they're saying if you're really bought in to this team being the best is to make you better so the team goes together and if you're as an individual down here just getting sensitive to everything being said to you and you know well now you know social media says i'm allowed i shouldn't be talked to like that in a professional setting by you and it's like you're you're focused on the wrong things like mm. what he's what how are you can you get better from this and it's like if you're sensitive it ain't it's you're just gonna get in your own way you're, you're worried about the words they're using rather than the message you know you're you're worried about them thinking they don't like me rather than Maybe they're just trying, they see something in you. Like, like, why not see it that way? Why not see it as they see something in you to be really good. And they're just trying to get every ounce of it out of you. Just go with it. You know, I, I don't know. I, I get the younger generations. It's hard. You can't talk to people a certain way. Like I said, everyone has a voice. I think it's harder to get people to buy into a team and, and, and put the team first above themselves you know and i think in rugby from my experiences um i think people are is rugby coaches are much less critical uh, and you know if if you know you throw it into the line out and it's it could have been it, you know we catch it but the throw wasn't 
really what it needed to be like you need to be told that and it's not okay because you caught it this time it's what happens if the the jumper on the other team was in the right spot you know it's you know it's not necessarily you ran with the ball so great down the, the line and you know you got all these meters gained but it's like if you just would have passed you know you would have been back in support to catch the pass to, to score the try or whatever it's I don't know I I I feel like from my experiences, rugby is a little less critical and I don't know why that is. I think because it's a player's game. I don't know. But if we could put the team first and understand that every criticism is just an attempt to make us better, uh, things might go differently. A lot of hours go into making this podcast each week. If you enjoy listening to the pod and would like to support me in making it and making sure that it keeps coming out, I have a Patreon page and there's a supporters tier. You can sign up, it's monthly, and I don't know what currency you're in, but it'll be a very, very small amount. But that support would mean so, so much to me. Also, if you're an ambitious player or someone who's interested in self-development, if you're a coach and you want to help your players on the mental side of the game, I have a tier called the first 15 and on this tier you'll get extra podcasts from me based around mental skills, sports psychology that will help you become more confident, more accountable, develop stronger self-belief and give you tools to deal with adversity. I sometimes put out bite-sized like shorter versions of these Patreon only podcasts so you can listen into them to get an idea. And there's a third tier Uh, one-on-one mentorship tier for if you want to do exactly that work one-on-one with me so that I can help you become the player that you know you can be and achieve your goals lastly if you're a coach or involved with a team and you think it's important for players to be confident have self-belief be mentally strong send me a dm on instagram or twitter at offfield rugby and we'll chat about what I can do to help your team become exactly that yeah, I fully agree. And I think that um, a way, I'm thinking from a rugby hat and the way the culture is there, if, you're, if you know your coach cares about you and then if you make a little mistake or something and your coach says to you, I know that you can be better, you're going to want to be better. Like with the line out, if your throw isn't quite right and the coach says, I know you got more in you, mm-hmm. you're going to go and work on that because your coach sees that you have, say, a bit more greatness in you that you can bring out and that yeah. you have another level within you whereas if your coach is letting it slide and being like that's acceptable maybe then essentially if you think about it the coach is probably saying oh that's your that's your plateau right that's, or 80 percent is your they, plateau they, they almost think like when you know you do something shitty sorry for my language when mm-hmm. you know you do something bad and then they don't say anything to you about it is is it like you just why are you not you know i i was always just to like if i'm doing anything wrong tell me i'm gonna work as hard as i can you know i'm gonna put yeah. all my energy into this i'm gonna sacrifice everything for this and if i don't make it i will sleep just fine at night because i knew i had my coaches told me everything about what i was doing wrong i tried as hard as i could i was you know, put all my energy into it. I sacrificed everything. And if I'm not fast enough, strong enough, smart enough, good enough, I'm not, but it's not for lack of effort. And it's not for, you know, I didn't get in the way in my own head. I didn't emotionally break down because someone was telling me, you know, 
my footwork looked terrible. You know, um, I, you know, you all, all of us as professional athletes, there's so many bad moments. I mean, I had so, I was so bad at so many things, but I needed those moments and there were growing moments. And obviously I've had more good moments than bad moments. That's why I've luckily been around, but like, there's no professional out there that hasn't gotten dogged, hasn't had bad footwork, hasn't had bad moments. So for anyone to act like, Oh, that's not them. You know, you're just fooling yourself, but you know, I thought you brought up a good point that like a coach, if they show that they care about their players, um, I think a lot of players need that because I, you know, it's tough for me. I need to understand people are a lot more emotional than I am. I've been through a lot that has made me realize what's important in life, but you know, I don't wish that perspective on anyone. And if they want to get, you know, so worked up that they're in tears because their coaches wants more out of them, you know, I think that's silly, but um you know, that's their perspective and, and maybe being shown that, Hey, like this coach really cares about you. And he's telling you this cause he believes this in you. Like that might, that perspective is important that people feel that way. Now, you know, Bill, Bill wasn't like that. I mean, Bill did such a good job of getting like the character of men in that room were just hard people that just were fighters, man. Everybody was, I mean, I can go down the list of everybody on that team when we won Super Bowls and it's just like dog, 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 dog. You know what I mean? And it's like, mm. there, there was nobody soft dudes crying about, you know, Bill was mean to me today. You know, it's <laughs> just like, I, I don't know. I have a, I have a different perspective on life. You know, I have a different perspective on discipline and criticisms and you know i i just think you know letting someone affect my feelings with the words that they say especially in a professional it's crazy, moment, it's crazy. you're never going to hurt crazy. my feelings talk to me however you want man this is yeah. an impenetrable force i'm going to listen to you and i'm going to lose respect for you because you're talking like an idiot and if we need to go handle it we can go handle it but you ain't going to hurt my feelings. And hopefully I can gain something positive from your crazy coaching style. But like, if you let it hurt, I mean, but we're talking about something in society though, man. I mean, I've noticed it noticeably my last year at the Patriots in 2019. And then the last two years, I mean, we celebrated a kid's 21st birthday and I'm like, I'm way too old for this. And like that, the, the, those, that, those young kids, I mean, they're kids and they, they act different, man. Like I've gotten to the point where I've been around long enough and I've seen a generation switch and it's like, you gotta be so careful how you talk to people now. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. I don't know if you notice it over there. And I, I mean, the U S is crazy right now with the, the young people are just like so sensitive. I do notice that. And I am, I've a, younger brother who's 21 and chat to him about it and he's not like that way but I'm um, like I feel sorry for people who allow words to negatively affect them like it's crazy you go out in the world today and you are at the mercy of what someone else says and then that ruins your day and you yes. get all of are you serious <laughs> yeah. are you that are you that easily affected are you that is your wall that penetrable is yeah. it paper thin like be yeah no i 
Like you said that very well. Like I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I feel bad for people like that. And you know, it's unfortunate. They're probably on edge all the time. Mm. They're thinking about every word someone's saying and, and was their tone right. And what did they really mean by that? I mean, it's just like, yeah. bro, that's gotta be exhausting. for sure so yeah man but at the end of the day you can't worry about all these other people you gotta gotta worry about yourself and uh, okay sorry about that my man no cheers i know i know you gotta go now no thanks a couple phone calls now and i'm not answering people so yeah hey thanks so much for time it's been unreal chatting um yeah i've been brilliant no worries man just shoot me a message whatever and uh hit me up on that hope you enjoyed the chat if you did would you please share it on social media now and also send it to a couple of friends that you think would enjoy it would really appreciate that i absolutely loved all the stuff nate was saying about trusting the process being where your feet are and giving everything you have today in the moment and then when you do that success just happens it's a byproduct of it Like I said in the pod, I've fallen into the trap in the past of focusing on the end goal too much, kind of constantly, and letting days, weeks, months slip by where you're not giving your all to your day-to-day. I've listened to many successful people talk about how they got to where they are today, and pretty much all of them said something similar to Nate. They had a clear vision of what they wanted to achieve, And then they focused on being the absolute best that they could be day to day, day in, day out, working hard at their craft. Literally no successful person that I've heard of anyway has said, I was born really talented, I didn't have to work that hard and everything came easy. No, that's not it. So yeah, if you're not super clear on what your ultimate goal is, what your vision is in rugby and your vision for your life, Spend some time thinking about it, because without being clear on that, you're just drifting. If you don't know exactly where you want to go, you have very little chance of getting there. There's a good saying that the best archer in the world cannot hit the target if he doesn't know where it is. So you got to get really super clear on what your goal is, what you want to achieve. Once you're clear on the goal then, you can start to get to work day to day. And when you know that goal, and when you're truly all in, you'll start to orientate your life around it and make decisions accordingly. This will just kind of happen. The way Nate said that he didn't go out much and he didn't spend as much time with loved ones as others might have, but that was the price of success. He knew where he wanted to go and he knew that he had to put in the work and some things are going to suffer because of it. It's really incredible, just before I go, that a USA U20 rugby player decided to start playing American football and went on to win three Super Bowls. As I mentioned in the intro, I've listened to his book and you heard the mindset and attitude that he has had throughout his whole life. And yeah, it's really inspiring. Just on the high tackle stuff we were chatting about at the start, I don't know the statistics and research, but I understand that The extremely strict penalising of the high tackle that we see now should lead to less head injuries. I also understand that a punishment can be tough for someone who doesn't have malicious intent. 
in the England game, the England Ireland game last weekend, we were chatting about Kyle Sinclair did a chop tackle at the knees near his own line and got knocked clean out. Rugby is a physical game, and that's a big reason why we love it. But head injuries are absolutely not good. There'll never be zero head injuries in rugby, though. But yeah, I think the laws are to try and get the game to a point where those kind of high shots are shoulder on chest or shoulder on ball. And you can still do absolutely massive hits like that. And there's no contact to the head. I'll try and get someone on who's done the research on this kind of stuff. I'd be really interested to learn exactly what they found and their thought process behind everything. But yeah, head injuries aren't good. Also on that though... I do feel for the people like Charlie Hughes who last week made an error, made a mistake that he didn't want to make in the game. He didn't go out to make and got red carded because of it. He didn't drop his tackle height. You know, it's a six inch thing. It's a it's a very small thing. And I can only imagine that that is a very difficult position You feel like you're letting your team down, you're letting your country down, and people then are saying that the game was lost because of you, so I do have a lot of sympathy for people who make a small mistake with zero malicious intent and then can feel like they're letting a lot of people down. Um, But once again, just to reiterate, head injuries are not good and we want less head injuries. (laughs) If you've listened to a few episodes of the podcast and heard from the different players I've had on, you'll know that the mental side of the game is what's key. That's pretty much always what separates those who realize their dreams and those who don't. I work with ambitious players one-on-one on mental performance. The players who are not happy with where they're at and want to get to the next level. If that's you or you're a parent of an ambitious player, and you'd like to have a chat, then send me a DM on Instagram, at offfieldrugby. Or send me an email, which is offfieldrugby at gmail.com. And we can set up a time to have a chat and no charge. So yeah, if you're not fully happy with where you're at right now, and you're serious about getting to your next level, then shoot me a message and we'll have a chat. Thanks a mil for clicking in today. I know that there are so many podcasts out there that you could be listening to, but I really appreciate you being here. Would you please take 30 seconds now to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts? Just let me know what you think of the pod. It's super quick, but will be the best way that you could just say thanks to me for making it. As I mentioned, if you want to support the pod... If you really enjoy it, you can do so on Patreon, and it's like the price of a coffee each month. And when you do that, I'll also let you know who's coming up on the pod, who I'm going to be chatting to, and get your questions for them. I hope you're clear in your goal, what it is you want to achieve, and just know that no dream is too big. Just work hard. Loads of people are going to doubt you along the way, and very few people are going to believe in you. If you said your dream to some people, to many people, they'll say you're crazy and they'll say you've no chance. But just keep grinding, keep going. And the hard work is worth it. You don't have regrets down the line knowing that you had more in you. Have a brilliant rest of your day. Cheers.